welcome to episode 112 of the Conversations with Ross podcast. I'm Ross Carey. Thanks for listening. Thrilled to be joined right now by Spencer Garrett. Spencer is an actor who is currently appearing as Victor O'Connell on USA's new drama, Satisfaction. Spencer, thanks so much for taking the time to join the podcast today. Hey, Ross. It's good to be here, man. Morning. Well, Spencer, let's start at the beginning. Tell me what initially attracted you to acting in the first place. Oh, boy. That's a that's a loaded question. I... Uh... Well, I guess it's kind of the family business. My grandparents were actors. Uh, my, my grandma and grandpa raised my mother and my aunt on a, uh, a showboat called the Goldenrod, uh, which was on the Mississippi River based in St. Louis. And they used to go up and down the Mississippi and stop in little towns along, along the Mississippi River. And uh, people from the towns would come onto the boats and they would do theater you know, on the showboat. Uh, and that's that's sort of the uh, I guess that's in my bloodlines because uh, you know years years later when I was uh, studying theater in college and kind of deciding what I wanted to be when I grew up and what I wanted to do I uh, you know I was sort of leaning many different directions and I kind of thought well this is this is a part of my legacy this is a part of my my life and and my family and and I wanted to see if I was any good at it so I I gave it a shot and here I am. Uh, I'm still in the circus 25 years later. Well, you're a third-generation actor, and yeah. when you decided to sort of make acting your career, was there any resistance from your family, or were they totally Not supportive? Really. My, well, my father was a talent agent for about 45 years, uh, and uh, and I think his initial reaction was a little bit more kind of, oh, God, really? Uh, you know, I mean, I was 21 or 22 when I decided to do this. I, I, I did make sure I got my, you know, I got my college degree. I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I kind of got kind of a late bloom. I started, started a little bit later than, than most of my peers. And, uh, you know, I, I started a little bit later. So I, I, I got my degree and, and I was kind of thinking what I wanted to do. And when I made the decision, my dad said, okay, well, give it a shot. And, um, you know, you can always, you can always go to back to grad school uh, and be a doctor or a lawyer. And I think he was always secretly hoping that I would, uh, you know, be a diplomat and join the foreign service or something, do something, do something respectable in a suit and tie. Now, now I'm, now I'm a guy that, you know, most of my career is guys playing suits and ties. So I kind of figure I'm splitting the difference. I should have a law degree by now with all the lawyers I've played, but uh, uh, I think he's, I think my dad is happy with the way things turned out. And uh, my mom was was uh, absolutely and totally supportive. Uh, she was a former president of the Screen Actors Guild, and she's been acting since she was two. And she's she loves the business, and she's passionate about it. And so she said, as long as you study with the best teachers, uh, and I ended up studying with the guy that she studied with, a man named Sanford Meisner uh, at the Neighborhood Playhouse in New York. Um, she studied with him in the 50s, and then I ended up studying with him in, in the late 80s, you know, uh, 30 years after she did. So it was a nice kind of passing of the torch. So she's, she's thrilled, and she's still in the business, and she's, uh, she's happy that I'm, uh, that I'm still a working actor. So it all worked out. Did you get any advantages from coming from a, a theatrical family? Not, not really. Uh, you know, my, my, dad, my dad knew some people, obviously, in the business, having been an agent. But, I, uh, you know, they, they, wanted me to, they wanted me to fly out of the nest on my own. So uh, uh, my mom wasn't in a position to help me out because she was the president of the union, so she couldn't do anything. Uh, and, uh, you know, just, just, for, just for legal reasons. Um, and, you know, my father would sort of throw me little crumbs here and there and say, well, there's this project and you should find out about it. But, I mean, I started out before I came to Los Angeles. I did, you know, I did the, uh, I did the waiting tables, tending bar, hosting, 
Uh, I did that for about six, seven years in New York before I really decided to take the plunge and, uh, you know, doing off, off, awful Broadway for no money and, uh, you know, student films, independent films, industrial films, any, any, any place I could find the work. So, um, you know, I, I, I came out to L.A. with a pretty good set of tools and was and was ready to, you know, decide whether uh, whether the, the town was ready for me and, and, and whether I was ready for it, um, whether I had the goods. You know, I'm still trying to figure it out. You move out to L.A. or you're first in New York, I guess. Your, your family is in acting. You've trained. You've studied with Meisner. You went to college and you studied there as well. What were some of the early obstacles you encountered when you were first trying to break in? I think just being, you know, just kind of being the new guy. I got out here and and I was sort of uh, I was sort of introduced to a lot of different casting directors as uh, you know this is this is the new this is the new kid this is the guy this is Spencer Garrett this is the guy we've been talking about uh, there was a little bit of buzz on me and and when I had come out from New York because I'd uh, I'd come out I'd done a project I'd done a pilot uh, called When We Were Young in 1987 it was with Stephen Weber and Grant Show and Jace Alexander and Jane Krakowski and a lot of really wonderful actors that are still you know that are still still doing it, you know, that have had terrific careers. And I think uh, after the, after I'd done that initial pilot, uh, I think there was a lot of expectation sort of heaped on me, like, okay, the next thing you do has to be, you know, equally spectacular. Um, and, you know, it never really works out that way. I mean, I, I, I struggled for the first couple of years I, I came out here. I, 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 booked, I booked three or four terrific guest spots, uh, one right after the other, and I think I thought – Naively, when I was 25 at the time, I thought, "Oh, well, it's just that's just going to be the way my career is going to go. I'm just going to book one thing after another." And then you find very quickly that uh, you know there there are peaks and valleys. It's a roller coaster ride. And you know, I didn't work for about a, I didn't work for about uh, almost a year, and I ended up going back into the uh, you know, but started catering and waiting tables and and doing all that again. So uh, it wasn't it wasn't humbling. It was just like, okay, this is this is part of the this is part of the deal you make when you decide to become an actor. So, um, you know, it was, it was, uh, I guess if to answer your question, I guess if there was a struggle or an obstacle, it was all of these expectations, like, you know, you're the hot, you're the hot young guy. Um, and, uh, you know, I had also started late, you know, I started when I was 25 and a lot of my peers had really had a head start on me. You know, the, the, a lot of the guys that I looked up to and wanted to emulate were already in the, you know, had already been in the ball game for several years. So, um, you know, I guess the obstacle was you're just not really, uh, I, I don't, and I also think I wasn't really ready. Actually, I wasn't really ready initially. Um, I, I, I'm, 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 I'm still learning how to be a good actor. And, um, you know, I, I think part of it is uh, just knowing what your limitations are, knowing what your expectations are, and realizing that it's not going to be all you know sunshine and roses on the path. Did you start this career with delusions of grandeur? Did you think you would you know do theater for a year, then clearly get your own sitcom or your own television show, and then after that has an eight-year run that gets into syndication, you'll be starting your career as features and be winning awards? Did you move thinking that you would have everything in the palm of your hand? You know, so yes and no. I think I think I I had this really unrealistic expectation that if I wasn't getting offered things like straight offered things by the time I was thirty, uh, that I was a failure. I mean, I set the bar really high for myself, um, which is in 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 hindsight was really preposterous. I mean, uh, you know, I I started really in earnest when I was twenty five, 
And I thought, gosh, by the time I'm 30, sure, I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to be the lead on my own show or I'll be on something that runs for eight years or I'll have this, you know, a foothold on this terrific movie career. And, uh, you know, I, 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 I had high expectations and, um, uh, you know, so which, which you look back and you go, that's really unrealistic because the business is ever, ever changing and ever morphing. And, uh, I mean, even now with, you know, with Netflix and Amazon and all of these different platforms that, you know, there's, uh, this, this renaissance of television that we're experiencing, you know, none of that existed back then when I started in, you know, in 1990, 1991, um, you know, there was the networks and, and HBO was barely around. And so there weren't that many opportunities. So for me to have thought back then that, you know, I was going to have this wonderful career, within five years was kind of ludicrous. So, uh, it's, but it's, it's okay. Uh, you know, it's, uh, it, 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 it worked, it worked out. And, um, you know, I'm, I put a lot of work into it and, uh, and I've also become a better actor over the years through the struggles that I've been through. So it's, um, you know, it's the way that you, 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 you play with the, play with the cards that you're dealt. Spencer, I want to ask you about one of your current projects, Satisfaction. Tell me about the show and how the part came to be for you. Part was a was a wonderful gift. Uh, it was just uh, it kind of fell in my lap. I got a call one day saying uh, you, you got an offer to do this pilot. It was a terrific part. I read the script. Uh, I, I didn't have to read for it, which was uh, you know which is something every actor sort of hopes for. Uh, you don't have to go through that you know jumping through the hoops. Um, and I, I got the call on a Monday and uh, literally two days later, I was in Atlanta, uh, sitting with the director and the producer, uh, b- both of whom I had admired from their earlier work. Uh, they both worked on suits, which is a terrific show with some friends of mine on it. And, uh, so all of a sudden I, th- I thought, oh, this is a great opportunity to really make something out of this terrific character. And, uh, and it, and it all really, uh, it came together. I, I, I had great admiration for, uh, for Matt Passmore for the lead and Stephanie Shostak, who I'd worked with earlier on Iron Man 3. And uh, it's, it's a really beautifully written, beautifully acted show. And uh, I think it's kind of, uh, I think it's catching on, I'm happy to say. It's, uh, people are really starting to dig it. It's, uh, it's a kind of a postmodern love story, I think, about, uh, about uh, how, do you, how do you sustain a marriage and a relationship in, in these times. And I kind of liken it to American Beauty meets Hung. Uh, it's a sort of a, uh, a supposedly happily married couple of 15 years on the surface, and underneath there's some problems. And the husband, the wife, decides that she needs to go outside of the marriage with a with a male escort. And um, the husband finds out about it, and he confronts the male escort, uh, thinking that he's you know just a, a a lover of hers. And it turns out that she's paying him for sex, and the husband, the husband says, rather than confront the wife and say, you know, why are you doing this? He looks inward and says, you know, what's wrong with me that she needs to do this? And in the process, he, uh, through the magic of television, their, 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 their cell phones get switched. And the husband ends up with the cell phone of the male escort and decides to become one himself. And, uh, and as they say, wackiness ensues. Uh, it gets, uh, you know, it gets very complicated and very spicy and um, the husband ends up kind of going down this uh, rabbit hole that he hadn't planned on going, and it it makes the it makes the the marriage 
uh, richer and deeper and stronger in in many different ways. And the way the writers uh, cover that is really kind of extraordinary because it's it's sort of an implausible situation when you think about it, obviously. And um, but it really really works on a lot of different levels, and uh, largely due to the. Uh, the terrific writing and and uh, and the really fine actors and uh, there's a wonderful actress also Catherine Lanasa uh, who plays this sort of madam she kind of runs these uh, these she kind of runs this this business of male escorts uh, and she's just wonderful all the actors are terrific to watch so I'm I'm it's a it's a pleasure to go to work every day it really is you mentioned the comparison to Hung was there any initial concerns that the show might be too similar premise wise to Hung I don't think so I mean that that was uh, that was a that was that was a show that got really down and dirty and very raunchy. I think it's 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 really only it only it only hues closely to Hung in that uh, the guy becomes a male escort. I mean he's a he's an investment banker. Uh, he's a, a professional. He's a family man. Uh, the character in Hung was uh, you know m- much much different. So um, it's really it's really more in the in the vein of American Beauty and you know in that it's this 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 modern suburban. Uh, successful family, uh, you know, and they've got the perfect house and the, the lovely child and, you know, the perfect cars and everything. And underneath, uh, things are broken. And they go about trying to find what's broken and how to fix it. You've done shows where you've come on many seasons into a show and you've done shows where you've started at the beginning. This is the first season of Satisfaction. Yeah. How does that differ when you're sort of creating something new versus when you're joining a show that's already been established? I love it. This is really the first time I've I've had in, in quite a long time to uh, you know to create a character on my own. Um, uh, I haven't been a series regular on something for for quite some time, so uh, it's it's a great opportunity to uh, to take you know what's what's written on the page, which is great, um, and and make it mine. And and the uh, the creators of the show have said. You know, when they when they hired me, they said we hired you because of your body of work, and we love what you do, and we thought you would be the perfect guy to play Victor, and so have a ball and and run with it, and so they've really let me play, and they let me kind of play around with the dialogue, and and really make it to you know to suit my tongue and and uh, and my you know my physicality, um, and uh, and that's and that's very rare. You know, it's very rare when you get a chance to uh, uh, to you know to to start from scratch. And uh, we've all had that opportunity on the show, and it's really uh, it's very special. So um, I'm hoping that I did the first five episodes, uh, and then I'm off for three, and then I just got back from Atlanta shooting the finale. And uh, what what happens to the two the two lead characters in between the time I left and the time I come back, and also what happens to me, uh, which I, I had to get caught up on when I was in Atlanta last week. I said to Sean, our writer creator, I said, what what's what what kind of journey has Victor been on since he's been uh, since he's been off the the show for three episodes and he filled me in and so I had a lot to work with uh, and I had a lot you know a lot to catch up on and that's really fun I mean it's just fun as an actor you get to play and you know you basically you're 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 handed a giant lump of clay and you get to mold it yourself so uh, it's been really fun. I want to ask you about some of the other shows and projects you've appeared on. You did an episode of House of Cards. Tell me about that set. It's a great set. Uh, Kevin Spacey is an old friend, uh, uh, 30 years. Uh, we, we actually met, uh, we met, he was doing a play at the Kennedy Center in Washington, D.C. in 1985 uh, that my mom was in. 
And so we met back then. We were both young actors. Uh, he had, I think it was his second or third job, and, and, uh, and we've been pals ever since. So, uh, so he called me a while back and said, you know, there's this really fun, juicy part of a senator. And uh, we'd, we'd played, we'd played uh, adversaries on Capitol Hill before. I did a movie with him called Casino Jack uh, about three years ago. And uh, he played Jack Abramoff to my Tom DeLay. And I think he probably remembered me from that and so brought me into House of Cards. And, and we got to, uh, you know, we got to play again. I didn't have any scenes with him this time around, unfortunately. But I think, uh, I, think I might be coming back uh, for, for another episode in this uh, season three. Uh, if I can fit it in, and uh, it's it's a terrific set. I mean, obviously the the actors are extraordinary. Uh, you know, Kevin's Kevin's uh, you know Kevin's Francis Underwood is already a, an iconic character after two you know two seasons, uh, and Robin Wright is lovely. And and uh, you know, really, it comes down to again. I, I keep uh, keep talking about the writers, but uh, Bo Willimon uh, is you know one of the most extraordinary writers we have right now and uh his his way with writing about politics is uh, is really something so uh, so that was fun that was a real joy i'm really I'm, I'm really happy that i got that job and got a chance to be a part of that show you were also on a uh, very well regarded episode of mad men a tale of two cities tell me about that show and that set again uh, that was a, that was a day uh that was a good long day i'd 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 auditioned a couple of times for the show over the years and, uh, you know, you, you, you walk into the audition room and, and you see 15 guys that you know. And, you know, you walk in, you go, oh, you know, hi, Bob. Hi, Tim. Hi, Fred. And, you know, you're all there. <laughs> we're all there in our skinny ties and our, you know, and as closest approximation to, you know, the 1960s suits as we could uh, as we could find in our closets. And I went in and uh, I'd had a relationship with uh, John Slattery, who plays Sterling on the show. He's an old friend. And. And uh, you know, and I went in, and it was just uh, the the stars aligned, I guess. And it was a it was it was I was the right guy for the role, uh, you know, at the time. And um, and had a, a lovely day uh, being directed by a guy who's uh, not only a marvelous actor, but also just a a real actor's director. I mean, he just loves actors. And so I basically just said, you know, tell me what you want me to do, John, and uh, and you know, and. Uh, and just guide me through this through this scene. Christina was absolutely lovely. It was a it was a sixteen hour day. We sat at that we sat at that dinner table in that restaurant. Christina and, and Elizabeth Moss and I, and uh, and just played and smoked a lot of fake cigarettes and and you know and, uh, and Matthew Weiner is famous for his perfectionism, so uh, everything had to be letter perfect. I remember. Uh, I remember being very, I was a little nervous, actually, because uh, I hadn't slept a lot the night before. And I remember, you know, every every actor, I think, before the night before their first job, it's kind of like the, you know, the first day of school. And you're a little you're a little anxious. And obviously, Mad Men is one of the great shows of our time. So I think I was a little uh, I was a little anxious the night before because I really wanted to go in and and knock it out of the park. And um, John made sure to tell me that. you know, you can't, there's no, uh, there's no um and uh, and you can't add or take anything away from Matthew's dialogue. It has to be very, very specific. And, and that's, uh, that was a bit of a challenge um, for those guys that do it every day. It was a piece of cake, but for, you know, coming on, I had to make sure that, that, that dialogue was, was said specifically as written. So, uh, so that was a, it was a, a challenging, but interesting day and, and a lot of fun. John Slattery directed that episode. Do you feel like that was a different approach, having being directed by someone who's primarily an actor? Does he interact with actors differently? Absolutely. I mean, I, I've worked with a lot of terrific directors, and 
uh, I mean, I, you know, I, I spent three months in Asia last last year with uh, uh, with Michael Mann, uh, who's uh, sort of become a, a, a friend and a mentor, and uh, just just finished my third project with him. And you know, Michael's a visual stylist and a great director. But uh, you know, when I when I went to Chicago to do Public Enemies, I remember talking to him and asking him about, well, is there anything specific you want me to bring to this to this role of Tommy Carroll? And uh, and Michael just looked me in the eye and he said, Spencer, I hired you to be the guy, be the guy. And so I was like, OK, um, Slattery, on the other hand, was, you know, he just gets down in there with you and he's like, he will guide you and talk you through it. And if I had doubts about uh, the way the scene was going or the way I was saying a particular word, uh, he's right there to lean on. And, um, you know, just on the other side of the camera, giving you a thumbs up. Or he'd come over and he whispered something in my ear. He's a very hands-on director, and I, I like that very much. I mean, everybody has their own approach, but I, I like to be directed, and uh, especially by someone. You know, I, I, I admired John's work in, uh, in the theater for, for years. Uh, before we got to know each other, we actually met. We met in 1992, and I'd seen him on Broadway two or three times already, and, and, uh, and he's a wonderful stage actor. And so just there's something, yes, different about being directed by by an actor, they, they get you, you know, they get the process. And a lot of our best directors, uh, go to, go to, uh, go to acting class and go to theater school to learn, you know, really how to direct an actor. Um, you, you, we're, we're, we're different creatures, Ross, you know, in a way you, you have, you have got to, you've got to talk to us in a, in a specific way. And, and John really gets that. And he's a very sensitive guy. And he obviously, after five seasons, he knew the tone of the show and how he wanted uh, everything to sound, and he knew how he wanted Matt. Uh, he knew he knew how Matt Weiner should have the scene go. So uh, it was the, really the perfect confluence of of uh, you know uh, actors, director, great writing, great scene partner, great atmosphere. I love period stuff, so I love the clothes and all of that. And obviously, you know, it's it's a uh, it was it, it was one of my favorite shows, and still is. So um, you know, that was a that's a that was a good time. Another director you've worked with is Michael Bay. You worked with him on the Transformers movie. There's a guy that doesn't have the best reputation with actors. Tell me about your interactions with him and how he interacts Next with his question. actors. <laughs> Next question. Next question. I think that um, says a lot right there. Yeah, he's a tough guy. I, I, I you know, Mike, Michael's a, he's a great filmmaker. I mean, he makes, you know, obviously it's, it's crash, boom, bang, big, loud, splashy, colorful, crazy, um, you know, I was on. I think I was on that on uh, on that film for about two weeks, and it was a lot of chaos and a lot of people running around. And um, he's not a he's not a warm and fuzzy guy, uh, but he gets the job done. And uh, I, I I respect his talent, and um, he's uh, you know he, he's obviously been extraordinarily successful. Um, but uh, you know everybody's different. I mean, in, you know, in one in one. Two-year stretch, I went from working with Michael Bay to uh, Mike Nichols, who could not be more of a, 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 an actor's director. Um, uh, worked with him on Charlie Wilson's War uh, to Michael Mann. You know, my, I call it my, my year of three Michaels. And, uh, you know, each one could not have been more different in their styles and their filmmaking styles. I mean, I wouldn't want to see Michael Bay direct uh, The Graduate or Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. Um, and yet the guy is so freaking talented that there's a part of me that kind of would like to see how that turns out. Um, 
on the other hand, Mike Nichols couldn't have directed a Transformers film. But, you know, each bring, he brings their own particular gifts. And um, so, yeah, so Michael Bay, we'll, 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 we'll leave it there. He's, uh, he's a genuine article. He's a, uh, he's a real character. I'd like to see a Transformers film directed by Mike Nichols. I think right. that would give the characters a new dimension. I like Absolutely. it. Absolutely. I think I think it's a, I think it'd be a great idea. Who who would who would you cast in it? <laughs> How about Dustin Hoffman? Dustin Hoffman and yeah, absolutely. Dustin Hoffman and uh, and 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 Alan Arkin. I'm thinking of all of the great actors from all the Mike Mike Nichols films. I mean, God, the guys the guys directed you know so many great films and. Uh, that was a that was a real treat, and uh, one of one of the one of the best experiences of my life was being on that set uh, with Tom Hanks, who's obviously you know has a reputation for being a lovely guy, and he is. And I have a dear old friend uh, who's since passed, a guy named Bob Willoughby, who was a very well-known set photographer. Uh, he was a he he photographed uh, pretty much you know every Mike Nichols film. Uh, uh, the, all the Rat Pack, uh, uh, Ocean's Eleven, uh, just on and on and on. I mean, he was just, you know, the Lion in Winter and the Man Who Would Be King and uh, really, really uh, extraordinary photographer in the, in the 50s, 60s, and 70s. And he had a book uh, that, was, that was all of his Mike Nichols films. It was called The Platinum Years. And I remember bringing the book to the set one day and flipping through the pages and showing Mike Nichols the pictures of Mike directing a young Dustin Hoffman and a young Anne Bancroft, and and Mike had never seen the he'd never seen the book before, and going through the pages and watching Mike Nichols look at the photographs, and then telling stories about, uh, you know, oh God, I remember that day. I remember when you know, Dustin did this, and and there was a lot of pictures behind the scenes of them rehearsing, and he would just all of a sudden he'd be transported back to you know, 1967 or whatever it was, they shot that film and start telling stories. And, uh, you know, th those are, those are things that as an actor, you get to have those experiences that, that I will, I will always treasure. Um, you know, that, that's, uh, that, that was a really, uh, that was a really special time. You've worked on a lot of sets. You've worked on film sets and TV sets. You've worked with good directors. And I'm sure there's been times when you've worked with bad directors. How have you seen a director lose his set or lose you as an actor? <laughs> um, call me after we're done with the interview. I'll talk to you. About <laughs> I, 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 you know what? I don't, want to, I don't want to tell tales out of school. I don't want to say anything bad about anybody. I, I, I've had, honestly, uh, I've had, I'll say this. Uh, there have been a couple of actors that I've really, uh, I really revered, um, that I've had a chance to work with, and then I've worked with them and been disappointed um, by their behavior on the set. And you get to see them in a whole different light. There have been a couple of directors that I, that I couldn't wait to work with and work for, and then you get on the set and they just turn out to be not what you expected. Um, and it kind of takes the wind out of your sails a little bit. Uh, I mean, I, you know, there, there, uh, there, there are a couple of, couple of Academy Award winners, I'll say that I, uh, that I worked with that, um, that did not, uh, behave well or, or treat me particularly well. And, um, you know, you kind of go out of there feeling a little deflated, but, um, uh, you, you know, you just, you just do your job. You put your head down, you do your job. And, uh, maybe they were having a bad day that particular day or something was going wrong, uh, you know, outside of the set. And you just chalk it up to, I mean, you know, movie sets and film sets, TV sets are, you know, they're long days and there's a lot of, 
waiting around and 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 um you know it's not always an easy environment i mean michael bay for i mean michael bay on transformers uh i mean he's known as a yeller you know and i'm not i'm not uh i'm not talking crap about him outside of school um you know there was a lot of yelling and yelling at the crew and all that and i got yelled at and i i kind of i was sort of waiting for that i was sort of like when when is my turn when is my turn to get yelled at and sure enough about 2 weeks in toward the end of the shoot it came um and that's just part of his process but i think i i i'd been i'd been anticipating it uh and finally when it came i thought okay that was my t- today was my day to get yelled at and um you know maybe he just uh maybe he didn't have a big enough breakfast or he didn't drink enough coffee or whatever so um i just i like to show up uh know my stuff show up on time uh do my thing and be as professional as i can and and um you know, and forget about all the externals. Spencer, I want to change it up a little bit. Tell me about your worst audition experience. Oh boy, I, I can tell you. I can tell you right away. Uh, very, very early on, starting out, uh, I hadn't really done much yet, and I remember I was reading for a uh, a pilot that uh, the great James Burroughs was directing. Um, it was called Pacific Station, I think. It was a sitcom about cops in Venice. California. And in the middle of the scene, uh, it was going well and I was getting laughs. And, you know, there's a part of you that in the back of your head is kind of going, wow, this is going really well. And they're laughing and they're digging me. And this is, this is a lock and I'm going to get this job. And right in the middle of the scene, I walked over to the casting person and I was, and I had put my hand on her shoulder or, or something. At some point I touched the casting director and didn't, you know, not, not in a forceful way or anything else. Like I literally like put my hand on, on their shoulder and I finished the scene and at, when I was done, you know, usually actors will say, uh, do you want to see that again? Or do you want to see another color? Or, uh, do you want me to do it in French with a Spanish accent with a limp? Do you want me to sing it? And I said to the room, I said, uh, you know, was that okay? And the casting director said, Spencer, that was fine, but don't you ever, ever touch me again. And like, and the room just went dead silent. And I felt it was like my face was melting off. Um, you know, you're, I guess you're not supposed to touch the casting director. And that was, that was, that was a lesson learned, or I should have said to the, I should have said to them beforehand, you know, I'm going to put my hand on your shoulder, but in the middle of the scene, but I got chastised in, in a room full of, you know, network executives in suits and James Burroughs. Uh, and that was mortifying and very humbling. And, um, and I remember writing a note to the casting director and saying, I'm so sorry. And, and, and that person didn't bring me in for several years. Um, just based on that, it was a little over the top. And then a couple of years ago, <laughs> a couple of years ago, I did a, a show with Jay Moore, uh, called Gary unmarried. And, and James Burroughs was directing the episode. This is 20 odd years later. And uh, after the table read, right before we started working, James Burroughs went up to me and he said, I remember you. And I went, oh, shit. He said, yeah, I remember you. He said, you, uh, you auditioned for me for something and you touched the casting director. And, uh, and I said, yeah, yeah, I did, Jimmy. And he said, that was awesome. He said, you weren't the right guy for the part. He said, but that was a hilarious moment. I said, yeah, it was really, it was really wonderful for me, too. Uh, and he said, well, you're here with me now. Let's have some fun. So. 
Are there things every actor should know that you feel like no one tells you in acting school or when you're first breaking in? Don't take it personally. I mean, that, that's, that's my advice to, to, to students that I talk to and teach. Um, you know, uh, and, and I didn't get that advice. I didn't get that advice. Uh, I got a lot of great advice from my, from my dad and from my mom and from my, my grandparents. Um, I mean, my, my grandpa, my grandpa was an actor up until his eighties and my, my grandma was an actress and then she became an agent. And so, you know, I'm surrounded by all of this wealth of wisdom, but nobody said to me, you know, don't take it personally when you, if you don't get the job, it's not about you. It's not, about, you know, it's not about, um, 93% of the time, I think when you walk in the room, they, they've made up their mind before you even open your mouth. And I think when I was first starting out, uh, I was I was getting the hang of the audition process, which is very nerve wracking. You walk into a room full of strangers, and it's very you know you're very nervous. And most of the time, you're not going to get the job. Let's face it. And I would walk out of there, and I get the I'd get the call or the feedback, and they say, Yeah, you know, uh, he was terrific, and he was the best actor we saw. But um, we 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 were looking for someone with brown eyes, not blue eyes or his hair was too short, or his hair was too long, or he was too tall, or he was too short, or he had a crooked tooth. You know, like all of these things. I mean, and I've heard all of these things. And you, 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 when you're a kid, you go, gosh, if only my eyes were brown. Or you know, it's, it's, It was hard not to take that stuff personally. Um, it's a, it is a business of rejection. And you get used to it, and you grow a thick skin, and you just wake up the next day and move on to the next, uh, the next thing. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's rough out there. And, uh, and I don't think I really realized how rough it was going to be. Uh, cause I was kind of cocky and thought I was really good. I was, I was not nearly as good as I thought I was when I first started out. And, um, so, you know, you get a lot of doors sl- slammed in your face and, um, you know, you take it personally, you know, you have to learn how to not take it personally. I think is, is my, it would be my, uh, the, my biggest lesson learned, and 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 I and I, st- and I still try to I still try to subscribe to that um, because I'm still I'm still doing it I'm still auditioning in those rooms, and um, it's 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 going better now that it you know I mean it, I'm I've been on a I've been on a lovely ride for the last uh, ten years, and uh, I think because it it took me about ten years to get the hang of what to do in that room and what to say and how to act, and. Um, and not to take it personally. Is there anything about your career you would change in hindsight? Yeah, I probably would have. I probably would have studied. I probably would have stayed in New York. I, 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 I there's a part of me. I don't have a lot of regrets, but I, I wish I'd stayed in New York uh, and gotten a deeper theater background. Um, I always wanted to be, quote unquote, a New York actor. I, re- I really always wanted to work in New York. Uh, you know, on Broadway and be based in New York and, uh, you know, and be one of those wonderful actors that, you know, lives and works in New York and has that New York career and comes to L.A. and Hollywood when, you know, when when Hollywood called. Um, I mean, things don't things don't always work out that way. I just I wish I wish I had uh, uh, I was right in the midst of my theater training when I got that pilot that I told you about earlier when we were young um, I had really just started my 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 training with Mr. Meisner, and uh, and I got that gig, and you know they they dangle a lot of money at you, and they say come to L.A. and we'll put you up in a terrific hotel, 
and I came out here and, um, you know, and I thought, okay, I don't have to wait tables in New York anymore. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm in LA and, and, uh, and I'm going to give it a shot. I wish I'd stayed in New York and, and, and studied for several more years and, and really gotten more of a, a foundation because the first, the first five, six, seven years of my life and my career out here in Los Angeles were honestly on the job training. I look at some of my early stuff, some of the things that I did, some of the guest spots that I did uh, early on, and I, and I go, oh my God, you know, I, I just really, I was so green. And um, I mean, I had, I had a, I obviously had good training, but uh, I look at some of the work and, and, um, uh, and, and I, and I, and I cringe because I, I just really, I, I, I was, I was kind of making it up as I went along. I really didn't know what I was doing. I'd never acted in front of a camera before. So, um, you, you don't, you don't really get taught that in theater school, but you do get a, a, a more solid foundation of, of, you know, what it's like working with, with actors. And, um, so yeah, that's my, that's really my, my one, one thing that I look back and go, you know, I wish I'd stayed in New York for 10 years and, and, uh, and, and done more theater. But uh, you can't make a living, really can't make a living as an actor doing theater. And I came out here because I wanted to pay my bills. You grew up in an acting family. You decided to pursue a career as a professional actor. You became a working actor. Is being a working actor what you expected it to be? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, 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 love, I love the life. Um, it's, a, you know, it's, a, it's kind of a gypsy life uh, to a certain extent. Um, I've been very fortunate, though. I, I've, I've, uh, in the last several years, I've gotten to see the world. I mean, I've gotten to go to China and Malaysia and Thailand and Turkey and all over America and Canada. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it can be when you're working and, and you get opportunities like that, it's the best job in the world. I've gotten to see the world and, and, and make extraordinary friendships with, with very talented and creative people. And there's a community of actors out here that I've, that I've, uh, that I've become a part of over the last 20 years that, that, uh, you know, we all, we're all very supportive of each other because we all know how hard the business is. And, um, you know, it's, uh, yeah, it is, uh, it, it can be, it can be difficult at times and there are lean times, but, uh, you know, when you're working and you're feeling creatively fulfilled, uh, there's, there's nothing better in the world. It's, it, it can be the best job in the world because, uh, you know, I got to work with Dustin Hoffman and Nick Nolte and Harrison Ford and Glenn Close and Robert Duvall and people that I admired as a, as a teenager and, and, a, you know, and as a, as a youngster growing up, you know, I got to share a set with those people and, and get to act with them in my family business. And, um, you know, that's, uh, that's pretty damn sweet. You've been listening to Spencer Garrett. You can give him a follow on Twitter at one Spencer Garrett and check him out on USA Satisfaction. Spencer, thanks so much for taking the time to join the podcast today. I really appreciate your questions.